Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. We are live here at the Howie Car Radio Network. We are in studio, and I hope you all had a lovely, relaxing, peaceful Christmas with your family and friends. It feels good to be back after a wonderful break. And fingers crossed for all of you that you got off social media, you you turned off the news for a little bit, you decompressed, you ate some good food maybe, watched a movie. I did watch a few movies, Jared. And I have some reviews. We'll we'll save that for a little later, but I saw the Barbie movie, and I'm here to tell people what I think about it. You know I always see things like a year later, so this makes sense. But we'll talk about that, um, and we have have a lot of news, actually. For a slow week, it's, you know, the holiday break, it's amazing how nothing slows down in Joe Biden's America. A few stories that caught my eye right off the bat. We're going to talk about the wave of illegal aliens at the border. There's a new caravan um, they're they're reporting that it could have 15,000 people in this caravan. We will discuss. It's the cover of the New York Post this morning. Um, and also in, in some good news for people. This is a little bit of a silver lining news I read. California has finally approved something that Jared talks about quite a bit, something that you are very much against, and that is what they're calling toilet to tap water. They're very excited about this. Jared is someone who used to live in California. I think you'll be able to weigh in. Again, we're going to wait on this. We're going to wait because I know if I got you talking on it, you could go for a while. But toilet to tap water is in your future. Hallelujah. It's a Christmas miracle indeed. So we'll talk about that. And I wanted to start, though, with the Christmas greetings I was getting over this past weekend. Weird, weird Christmas greetings. Whatever happened to just Merry Christmas? When I send out Christmas cards now, that's all I write. Merry Christmas from the Gallaghers. That's all I write. People are overcomplicating things. People are getting themselves in a lot of trouble. And you know what else I don't understand? I don't understand this desire from politicians or this this feeling that they need to put out a holiday message. Like, just don't put anything out. What's the big deal? Worst case scenario, you mess up. You say something cringeworthy. You go viral like this governor from Colorado. Best case scenario, nobody cares. You said Merry Christmas and nobody cares. When did we enact this rule that every public figure needs to say a holiday greeting or put out some sort of photo or some sort of video? It seems to always backfire. They're just people like us. They have to show us that they're people. They're just like us. They either show a gas stove in the background, they get everybody mad that they're hypocrites, or they put out a Feliz Navidad video, and that definitely didn't play well. That's actually the one we're going to start with today. So This is, yeah, I prefer the Mr. Garcia version every day and twice on Sunday. Now, this is, um, there's been a lot of news coming out of Colorado. Not good news. Uh, Last week, it was because the Colorado Supreme Court decided to boot former President Trump off the 2024 ballot. It's not going to it's not going to stand most likely, but it still was 
the main headline last week. And now the Centennial State is in the news again because the governor put out a Christmas message. So this is Governor Jared Polis. And we're going to play this, um, although I, I would encourage people, if you want to get the full effect, then again, why would you want to get the full effect of this? But if you are in the business of getting the full effect, I would watch the video. This is cut six. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. Why are people doing this? If you're going to do it, at least get on the right note. The pitchiness. I don't want to sound like Simon Cowell, but the pitchiness is out of control with that. And where's the background music? Like, we couldn't do anything to help this guy. And he puts this out. And, you know, there, there was a lot of over-the-top people accusing him of being racist. I don't think it's racist. I just think it's cringeworthy. I just think it's stupid. Why do we have to put out these videos? Why does everyone have to do this? But that is, when you really look at all of the Christmas messages, Jared, over the weekend, that doesn't even place in my top three as far as messages that went awry. So we had that, okay? But I want to actually focus on something else. I want to focus on Father Edward Beck, who was at, uh, he was on the panel at CNN, and he decides, everyone's giving us their story of Christmas, what Christmas means. And they're all the real story of Christmas. Yeah, everybody's got, this is no, my interpretation, this is the right one. This is the correct version of Christmas. Um, so let's have cut five. This is Father Edward Beck on CNN. The story of Christmas is about a Palestinian Jew. Now, how often do you find those words put together? A Palestinian Jew born into a time when his country was occupied, right? They can't find a place for her to even give birth, his mother. They're homeless. They eventually have to flee as refugees into Egypt, no less. I mean, you can't make up the parallels to our current world situation right now. No, there's no way that's correct. You can't make it up. Why does it seem like you're making a lot of this up? Um, so I just want to read here from Nick Arema. I'm a big fan of her writing at Red State. And she wrote, not very, since it isn't true. Jesus was not a Palestinian. Palestine didn't exist, and Jesus was born a Jew in Judea. Moreover, Palestine is a term derived from Roman occupiers. That's just a tiny bit. There's a lot more history that I'm not going to try to go into. I actually have Ari Hoffman joining us in the one o'clock. That's one of my rules is I don't like to go on the air and pretend to be an expert on things that other people know a lot about, which is weird why other people aren't also abiding by that guideline. Like, just don't talk about things unless you're really sure of it. And I could have made the poll which Jesus origin story was the worst this weekend because we were getting such wild ones. You know, that manger was actually the first place that they hid munitions in tunnels. He keeps looking at them all like, uh, right? How crazy is this? And meanwhile, the viewers are like, this is crazy. That's exactly what it is. It's nuts. Um, so this was AOC's. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman from the Bronx, puts this out. In the story of Christmas, Christ was born in modern-day Palestine under the threat of a government engaged in a massacre of innocents. He was part of a targeted population being indiscriminately killed to protect an unjust leader's power. Mary and Joseph, displaced by violence and forced to flee, became refugees in Egypt with a newborn waiting to one day return home. Thousands of years later, right-wing forces are violently occupying Bethlehem, 
as similar stories unfold for today's Palestinians. So everyone's trying to do the same thing. Look at the parallels. This is undeniable. Now, to say there are a few issues with this statement would be an understatement. Like I said, Ari Hoffman's going to join us in the one, and he can get into just how incorrect AOC's Christmas story is. But the geography of the West Bank comes to mind first off. That, that might come up in our conversation with Mr. Hoffman. But not to be outdone by AOC, her minions in New York, the radical pro-Palestinian protesters, they were in the Big Apple. They were really spreading the holiday cheer. The pro-Hamas crowd, did you see this, Jerry? They were disrupting carolers. So they've really checked off. They're, now they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. They're like, okay, we've ruined the Christmas tree lightings. We ruined the, the, the pictures with Santa Claus. They, they put an end to that real quick. They started showing up banging drums in front of all these crying little kids. They ruined Christmas pictures, which, as Taylor was pointing out, it's already stressful enough if you have a little kid trying to get a picture of Santa. They're probably going to cry either way, but when you've got a bunch of nut jobs banging drums and screaming at them, almost a guarantee at that point. So they tried that. They're uh, disrupting shoppers, they're sitting on the highway, you know, all of these great Christmas traditions. And so now they're disrupting carolers in Washington Square Park. That's their next thing. Their parents must be so proud. Can't you just picture the conversation like, oh, Jane, why didn't Erin come to Christmas this year? Where's Erin? Oh, she's in Midtown carrying around a nativity scene covered in fake blood. She couldn't make it. She sends her best, though. She misses all of you so much. She's, she's in New York City screaming intifada. You know, just, well, what's your daughter up to? All these activists must have been happy, though, that the mayor of Gaza City, the mayor got his own essay published in the New York Times on Christmas Eve, no less. That must have made them happy. Even, you know, I get the feeling that it's hard for this group of people to be happy that's just the vibe I'm getting from these gatherings, from these mostly peaceful protesters, or pro protests. But I will say that uh, I think when they saw Siraj's essay in the New York Times where he was denouncing Israel, that probably made them happy. He, by the way, was appointed by Hamas in 2019. So this is what the gray lady's up to. They're like, we need an op-ed from someone more biased than our journalists. Who can we, who can we recruit here? Oh, I know. We'll get the mayor of Gaza City to talk smack about Israel, and we'll put it in our Christmas Eve edition of the New York Times. His piece was kind of like a fancier version of AOC's Instagram story. He took AOC's Instagram story and he just cranked it up a couple notches. Um, But you know what the craziest part was about this Siraj writing this op-ed for the New York Times? The nuttiest part about it is how... No one was surprised. Like, I barely saw anything about it because it's like, yeah, this is the New York Times. What do you expect? Yeah, they have Hamas leaders writing, writing their work now. And they probably have New York Times reporters who are embedded in Hamas. So what's worse? You know, either way, they're going to be pushing Jew hate one way or the other. 844-500-4242. Nobody's shocked by anything the great lady does. We've got tons of great sound. As you can see, just because it's a holiday uh, week here, we still got a lot to cover. So you can call in. It's 844-500-4242. We're going to talk 2024 in our poll question. Joe Biden blaming the media yet again for his 
abysmal polling. And uh, there's so much else to talk about. So I want to hear from you. Don't go anywhere. This is The Grace Curley Show. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curley. This is The Grace Curley Show. I wonder if any of the Democrat officials who couldn't find their voices when protesters were outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house and outside of other Supreme Court justices' homes, and they really, they, they, they didn't condemn it as forcefully as a lot of us would have liked. And I wonder if now they wish they had, because some of these pro-Palestinian activists over the weekend were outside of Lloyd Austin's house, outside of Jake Sullivan's house. And I want to say something for the record, Jared, because there's some things I'm hypocritical about, for sure. But one thing that I'm not is on this issue. It's like, this is always a bad idea. This is always a bad idea. You don't need to be outside... I don't care if it's a conservative. I don't care if it's a Democrat. I don't care if it's a member of the Trump administration. I don't care if it's a member of the Biden administration. We don't need to be outside of people's homes like this. You're not getting anything done. Vote the way you want to vote. You know, partake in whatever sort of activism you want. But this is not activism. It's just threatening behavior standing outside someone's home on the weekend of Christmas because you're mad that you're not getting your way because because the Biden administration hasn't met your demands. And by the way, I think they will. Like I, I know that with these activists, they want everything right now. But if I had to bet, I would say the Biden administration is going to cave when it comes to BB, when it comes to Israel. Might not be today, but they're definitely leaning towards caving to the mob. And they still show up. Can I actually get some of the sound, Jared, just to give people an idea? This is a pro-Palestinian uh, chance outside of Lloyd Austin's home. Cut three. Okay. This is our only faith. This is our only faith. Austin, 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 questions how do we free palestine serious question because what a lot of these people what a lot of these progressives if you want to call them that whatever i don't know sometimes i don't even know what political party they align with um but they they keep saying they want to free palestine from the river to the sea which we know is anti-semitic but let's just take them at their word they want to free palestine and the other thing that kind of goes with that is we need a ceasefire Now, from whatever I've read over the weekend, Jared, Hamas is rejecting a lot of these ceasefire negotiations outright. They're saying, absolutely not. That's not happening. I'm shocked. Yeah, I know. They're not negotiating in good faith. The terrorists who raped women and beheaded babies are not negotiating in good faith. Who would have thunk? But if you're calling for a ceasefire and one side of said ceasefire does not want it, And they say, we want October 7th to happen again and again and again. This is what some of the leaders of Hamas told the New York Times. Because, again, the New York Times has a lot of access to Hamas right now. So we want October 7th to happen again and again and again. So what are you asking for? Because if you're asking, and really, I I think in, in some ways, 
they're slowly becoming more and more honest. What you're asking for is for Israel to stop defending itself and to allow Palestinians to come in and also to allow Hamas to come in and slaughter them. That's what you're asking for. And once we reach that level of understanding, it's like, okay, okay, so that, that's what you want. You want to eliminate Jews from the face of the planet. But be honest about it. This whole thing of like Cynthia Nixon and all these people going, we need a ceasefire. We need a ceasefire. Well, tell that to Hamas because they don't want a ceasefire. And you seem to only be angry at Israel for not wanting a ceasefire. There was a ceasefire before October 7th. And Israel wasn't the, the party to break said ceasefire. 844-500-4242. We'll, we'll play more of that. We're going to talk to Ari about it. But also, here in the U.S., we've got a crazy story about what's happening on our southern border. This is from the New York Post. This was yesterday. The radical activist leading the latest massive migrant caravan from Mexico to the U.S. was once sentenced to 40 years in prison and has already led tens of thousands of asylum seekers to the border. So, Luis Garcia Villagran was at the forefront of a mass migration once again this week, bringing an estimated 8,000 migrants on a Christmas Eve march through Mexico to a U.S. border already in crisis and predicting the number of asylum seekers could easily nearly double to 15,000 along the way. This is Salim Algar from The New York Post. And you've seen the footage. You've seen this. And, and, you know, there was a good question that was asked of I think it was uh, John Kirby last week by one of the reporters in the White House press briefing room who said, is he watching this? Like, is he watching the aerial footage that's sometimes on Fox, sometimes on Newsmax of all of these people pouring into our border? And of course, I'm sure Kirby can't speak to that. You know, he might have to direct you to another department who could answer that question. But what a lot of my listeners pointed out, and they're right, they're like, yeah, he's watching it. This is what he wants. This this is clearly what he wants. And I think I'm naive in the sense that I always go, why why aren't they trying to fix it? Because they don't see this as a problem. This is all good. Because otherwise, think about it. Joe Biden, when he wants to make something happen, he doesn't care if he has to break laws. He doesn't care if he has to bend the rules. He will do whatever. He'll, he'll use his pen and he'll get things done. He wants to cancel student loan debt. Supreme Court says he can't. He'll do it anyway. But when it comes to the border, we're supposed to believe his hands are tied. Like, oh, he just, he can't enforce the laws. All He put together a comprehensive immigration bill and nobody will sign it. And now he can't do anything about it. It's a bunch of malarkey. We're going to talk more about Biden and we have a lot more sound to get to when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. All right, so that was Colorado Governor Jared Polis. He put out a video on Christmas singing Feliz Navidad. And... I, I have to mention here, because someone commented on this on social media, 
and said, this is one of the worst things I've seen all year. Who walked into your office and said that this was a good idea? I don't think this is one of the worst things I've seen all year because it's been a whopper of a year, people. But I will ask this question. Well, I will second that second part of it. It's like, yeah, who who are the people? Who are the staffers? Is it like saboteurs? Who are the people who are going, perfect, got it in one take, let's post. And I think the same thing, Jared, when like Kamala Harris puts up a picture of her and Dougie, Doug, Doug, and says, oh, happy Thanksgiving. Um, here's a picture of us making our turkey. And there's a giant gas stove in the background. I think there's no one there. And maybe I'm just ultra paranoid before I post stuff, but I check everything. I make sure there's no names in the background. I make sure there's no paperwork that, you know, is, could give away your social security. Like, I check every corner of an image. And that's, and I'm not an important person by any means. If you're the VP and you have like six people who are supposed to be checking these things and making sure you're not going to make an ass of yourself, how does nobody catch any of this? That's because the, the, these people have gotten to positions of insane power and influence with zero consequence, zero experience, zero repercussions on anything. They just, uh, you know, they just do stuff and they they advance. Uh, they fail up. Uh, so why why would they bother checking or like taking time to not embarrass themselves? Yeah, but some things are just so obviously bad. For you commoners, maybe. You'd look at it and you'd say, we don't need to post this video. Why don't we just write Merry Christmas and call it a day? Why don't you just go about your... They filmed this. They clicked post. And he's he's like dancing, like rolling his arms. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's yeah. bad. It's bad. Now, speaking of COVID, Christmas, all, all this kind of stuff, messaging, I, I wanted to talk about something else. Taylor Lorenz. Did you see this? Taylor, I, I, I saw the headline. I didn't bother to look. This is nuts. Taylor Lorenz, I guess. She's a media activist for the Washington Post. That's how uh, Red State's describing her. She admitted that she's missing Christmas for the fourth year in a row because of COVID protocols or guidelines that her family are not adhering to. So this is what she wrote back to um, to someone on Threads, which is like Instagram's version of Twitter. Totally agree with you on the mitigation advice, but I very much judge anyone who participates in the social murder of disabled people just because it's the holidays. Many of us who are high risk are missing our fourth Christmas because other selfish people can't be bothered to mask and take basic precautions that allow us to safely participate in public life. They don't feel enough shame and judgment, in my opinion. Instead, infection has been fully normalized. It's wild that there are still people who are right in the thick of it. Like in yeah. her mind, it is 2020. There was I, I saw something that somebody posted and they said this is like the saddest thing they've ever read. And it was someone that said, you know, she hadn't seen her, her grandson since he was six months old. And now he's almost four years old. And she's going to miss Christmas again. And I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, I mean, at that point, yeah, like you're staying alive technically by missing that. But, but you're, you're not, not living. living. Yeah. Well, that, like, that was what, like a common thing you yeah. hear during COVID. I mean, listen, when when, you know, again... There were a lot of people that right away were like, okay, this, you know, whatever. But, you know, like the first 2020, 2021, okay, we 
still didn't know we were dealing with. People were still, you know, getting sick. Fine. I understand that. But four years later. Four years later, clearly all of the evidence is there that even though COVID is still around, it is not nearly as dangerous or virulent or infectious as it was at its height. Yeah, but it's okay to relax. One thing about Lorenz. Four years later. Well, yeah, it's Taylor Lorenz. Lorenz has always been about, it's less about her. Like my whole thing was with, with masks and everything. I don't care what anyone chooses to do. You want to wear a mask at the grocery store? Even now, I don't give people dirty looks. I don't do anything like that. You do what you want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. This is so directed at people who aren't adhering to her over-the-top idea of what we should do for COVID. And it's like, okay, it's not my problem that you clearly have become obsessed with this. And furthermore, I was thinking about COVID over the weekend because somebody posted a video. And you forget so quickly. You really do. It's one of those things where right after they let us take the masks off, it was like I never had one on. I, I just, I forgot about it. And I forgot how suffocating the whole thing was after a long time. But one other thing I forgot about was Fauci during COVID. Fauci actually went on TV. And not only was he like ruining Christmas for people, and all, all of these uh, public officials were, even though they were doing their own thing. Like, you know, Gavin Newsom was at the French Laundry having dinner, but you couldn't go to a restaurant. Outdoor dining was canceled, except for if they wanted to do it. We saw the rules for the, but not rules for the, but not for me over and over and over again. But I forgot that Fauci went on TV and pretended that he was responsible for saving Christmas. Like, not only... Was he so powerful that he shut down everything? And now he'll go, I didn't shut down anything. I I just gave recommendations. But not only was he so powerful that he got to tell all of us what to do, but then he was so powerful and magnificent and magnanimous that he went on TV and he said he vaccinated Santa Claus. And that's why Santa Claus could go to everybody's house, because he vaccinated him. He saved the day. Burn your Fauci candles, gather your Fauci pillows, get on your knees and pray to St. Fauci because he saved the day. I saw that cut, Jared, and I was like, I forgot how crazy things were getting there for a while. Imagine That's going a good on, elf. Imagine going on TV being like, okay, yeah, it's time. It's time to let everyone know that I single-handedly saved Christmas for all of the children. Not in this country, in the world. And he was so proud of himself. Like Maybe in his mind he really thought he did. I'm sure he did. Just complete lunacy. And to think that people are still, I'm curious if anyone knows anyone who's still doing this. And again, if you have, you know, underlying conditions or you have, I don't mean that. I mean, people who are fine and are so angry at other people for living their lives. Like, at what point do you just have to let people do their thing? You're mad that your family's still gathering for Christmas? How sad. You're upset that people are gathering for a holiday? I think they're not following any protocols. They just don't want you there, Taylor. I mean, I don't know what's happening. 844-500-4242. Okay, so this is kind of random, but I do think it's funny. Biden over the weekend. So there's there's two things I want to play here. One of them is Biden gave Architectural Digest a tour of the Oval Office And it was strange, as you would expect. But before we get into that, I want to play Biden was talking to reporters. And did you notice, Jared, that now 
he's getting a lot of grief because he doesn't do any press conferences. Like, I think he's done the least amount of press conferences either in history or in, in a very long time. There hasn't been a president who's done this few press conferences. And what they're counting towards his press conferences or towards like his media interactions or when he wanders over to a gaggle of reporters and says, hey, read the wrong, you're in the wrong post, Jack. That counts. Like we're all supposed to go, oh, thank you for this back and forth. We learned so much. This was so informative. And it's glad to know. We're all so happy to know that you're still sharp as ever. Phew. I can't believe people are worried about you. You walked over here and smelled someone's hair. So things must be going well. That's what they're counting. And KJP said that. She's like, he interacts with the press all the time. He interacts with the press all the time. And the last time he interacted with the press, he and he's made this clear. He was on with Conan O'Brien on Conan O'Brien's podcast. Hard hitting interview, as you'd expect. And he talked about how the media is not accurate. They're not getting things right. And it made me laugh because in my head I'm thinking, yeah, every time the media is not accurate, it's so they can help you. Like if they were accurate, you'd be in a lot of trouble. That's funny. I was under the impression that criticizing the media for reporting fake news or not being accurate was akin to destroying democracy. Oh, yeah, that's jailing. Hitler. That's Hitler stuff. It was Hitlerian. Yes, even. Hitlerian. Yeah, no, it was all the earmarks of a dictator if you questioned the accuracy of the news. But now that Joe Biden's president, he can do whatever he wants. So this is what he said to reporters on Saturday. This is cut seven. About the economy, sir, what's your outlook on the economy next year? All good. Take a look. Start reporting it the right way. Start reporting it the right way. I love when he slaps them around. I really do. Because he just is such a jerk to them, and they deserve it. He, he just, he, he says, like, he's so condescending and rude. Start reporting it the right way. You got the wrong polls, because he has access to some great polls that he's not showing us. You're reporting it the wrong way. You got to read the polls, Jack. He's pretty close to calling them fat, Jared. He's going to let a fat slip out soon. He's getting to that point. He's so angry. And it's like, it's not the media's fault. This reminds me of when he gets, when we read all these reports, like, oh, he's really mad at his staffers. He's really mad that his polls are down. He's mad at his staffers. Listen. That's just an old guy yelling. I tend to be my own worst critic in a lot of situations. Especially like in the working world. If someone said to me, hey, you, you made a mistake, I would beat myself up over it. But if Joe Biden tried to lecture me on how things weren't going well and I was in charge of I, I don't even know his campaign or, you know, helping in his administration. And he walked into a room and was like, it's unacceptable. I wouldn't feel bad at all. I'd be like, dude, we have an impossible task here. We are trying to make you seem like you know what you're doing. And it's proving to be tough. This is Mission Impossible. And so, no, you can blame us if you want, but you got to look in the mirror. It's, it's not our fault. And it's not the media's fault. And it's, it's not uh, the American people's fault that they can't digest how great his economy is. They're too busy trying to digest the prices they see when they go to the grocery store. 844-500-4242. When we come back... We're going to uh, play some of these sounds from Architectural Digest. He goes around his office. Taylor was nice enough, so Taylor's filling in for Howie today. And I happened to hear them playing this during the break. And I said, what is that? And Taylor was nice enough. He wasn't going to be selfish. He's going to let me play some of these cuts. I won't play all of them. Save some of them for his show. But they are pretty good. 
and we will get to it. But you know what I want to talk about right now, Jared? It's the weather right now in New England is so up and down. Some days it's frigid. And then some days you wake up and it feels like springtime. But that's what's so great about having the Gen 40 heater because you don't have to open up all the windows or heat up the whole house or, you know, start running around trying to figure out what you're going to do to stay warm or to cool off. Because with the Gen 40 heater, you are heating up the area around you, which is all you need. So if you're in the living room watching TV, boom, you turn your Gen 40 on. It's a very cool, stylish device. It does not take up a lot of floor space. But it works. And you're going to save money on your bills, which, as I pointed out, you I think we could all use a little bit of that right now. And it combines this infrared and convective heat to really warm you to the bone. Yeah, I actually used, you can tell my voice that I'm getting over uh, cold that I had over Christmas. And uh, Saturday night, actually, I had chills, like, really bad. Of course, my kid thought it was funny. He thought I was just, you know, he was laughing at me. But um, so I slept in a different room. You know, slept in a, the upstairs room, and uh, I would, had the chills, so I turned on, uh, turned on the Gen Forty, and uh, it totally warm all night long. Uh, it was great, absolutely as comfortable as I could be. And we can all attest to the quality of Eden Pure products. And right now, uh, Eden Pure is extending their offer of $50 off the Gen 40 heater for another week. So save $50 with code GRACE. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code GRACE50 for the Gen 40 heater. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Click on the Gen 40 heater and then make sure you use code GRACE50. It's code GRACE50. Save $50 off when you get the Gen 40 heater. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Colette Travel. Join Caroline Levitt on November 16th, 2024, as she journeys in search of Iceland's magical northern lights. Colette covers the details from flights to meals, hotels, and local experiences, so book your spot with Colette at 800-581-8942. That's 800-581-8942. Very exciting and something to look forward to. I love planning a trip ahead of time so you can look forward to it all year. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is what is your top issue heading into 2024? Illegal immigration, economy, crime, or other? I, I thought of this because over the weekend I was watching some of the footage of people uh, lining up at the southern border and there's just all sorts of you know encampments around that area now. And a family friend of mine said, I know everyone says the economy is number one, but illegal immigration is number one for me because if this continues, we're not going to have an economy to even worry about. And it really did get me thinking because I always go back to that Carville quote, you know, it's the economy, stupid. And I'm starting to think that for a lot of conservatives, at least, illegal immigration is going to be a bigger issue, if not only, Jared, because of the the footage, you know, the the video of it is so astounding that I think it might come top of mind for people when they go to vote. So I'm going to say illegal immigration. Yeah, 74% of the audience agrees with you. Illegal immigration, 
21% for the economy, 3% for other, and 1% for crime. Do you see what I have here, Jared? This is my Christmas gift. Ah, very nice. A fancy water bottle. I'm one of those people who I've- 47-gallon tr- jug. Yeah, I've tried so many ways to drink more water. And it's just, it's something that's very hard for me. I don't like water. I know that sounds crazy, but I could go the whole day- and never have a sip of it. Now today, I've had a lot because I have this fancy cool water bottle, but I don't know if it's going to last because I go through stages where I start drinking more and then I don't. Do you drink a lot? Yeah, I don't think you drink a lot of water. I actually do. I have my uh, little coffee mug here that I bring in and then I, I refill it with water once I'm done with the coffee. So I'll have, I'll have I don't know how many ounces this is, but I'll have about three of these water a day. So Damn. You do okay. Yeah, you do pretty good for yourself there. I yeah, so right. I didn't want to brag or anything, but I have it on the Rumble Cam if anyone wants to see. This was one of my Christmas presents this year. 844-500-4242. Okay, so Joe Biden's giving this tour of the Oval Office and some other areas in the White House, and it's it's bleak. It's weird. He's talking to the interviewer. Let's have, um, I think I like cut eight the best, so let's start there. I've spent more time with the Chinese leader than any other head of state. And he asked me, he said, can I define America? I said, yes, I can. In one word, and I mean it. Possibilities. Possibilities. We Americans think anything is possible. We would do it together. And that's why John Meacham helped my brother pick out those five portraits up there. Huh? That was a weird... What? What is it? Wait, he he, huh? he talked to Xi Jinping about a word to describe America, and that's why his speechwriter picked out those paintings with his brother? I'm lost. But I think that's kind of the point. That's, that's weird. Okay. Great story, Grandpa. Could have used a vampire, though. Yeah, he gets into so many of the nitty-gritty details that nobody cares about. Um, all right, let's go to uh, this one. This is cut 10. He's explaining what a moon rock is. This moon rock is pretty cool. It's a little Iraq from the moon. Oh, I didn't know that. that. That might be the first true statement he's made in his life. Now, they, they do this thing at the White House. They love to hand out chocolate chip cookies, which I'm not saying isn't great because who doesn't love a cookie? But he decides to hand one out to the person interviewing him. This is cut 11. Now, by the way, there's a tradition in my office. These chocolate chip cookies are all homemade. We should focus on other traditions. Like, I don't know. No, Everybody must eat! No more wars breaking out. Make that a tradition in your office. Forget the chocolate chip cookies. Can I also get cut 12? Because he has one more thing to add to his long resume. Thanks for coming by, Architectural Digest. By the way, I'm a subscriber. I'm a frustrated architect. Thank you very much. Oh! He's like Art Van Delay. What can't this guy do? He's a truck driver. He's an artist. He's an architect. He's president. He's the poorest man in Congress. The list goes on and on. Ari Hoffman, when we come back.